Hello and welcome to our Secular Overeaters podcast series, where you'll hear from speakers who have found recovery from food and other addictions without God. For additional information, go to secularovereaters.org. And now let's get to today's podcast. The purpose of this group is to discuss the 12 steps, one at each meeting, and to share our personal experiences with the step or anything related to the theme of the step. Many of us are inspired by the 12-step approach, but find that some of the original language and concepts don't align with our personal beliefs. During this meeting, we will read several different interpretations of the steps and discuss, as the varied individuals we are, what makes sense to us and what helps our recovery. As always, please take what you like and leave the rest. This group does allow crosstalk, but please make sure it's supportive. We'll start by reading the Freethinker Alternative 12 Steps for Overeaters. Please take a turn reading a step or two and say pass when you are finished. And Maria will put those up on the screen. There they are. And Elaine jumped in there and has her hand up. So Elaine, please start for us. Uh, Freethinker's Alternative 12 Steps for Overeaters. Step one, we admitted that we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two came to believe and to accept that we needed strength beyond our awareness and resources to restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to entrust our will and our lives to the care of the collective wisdom and resources of those who have searched before us. Pass. Beth. Step four, made a searching and prayer was moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to ourselves without reservation and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to accept help and letting go of our defects of character. Pass. Thank you both. Jenny. Step seven, with humility and openness, sought to eliminate our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Pass. Kathy. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Pass. Thank you both. And Linda. Uh, Step 11, sought through meditation to improve our spiritual awareness and our understanding of the OA way of life, and to discover the power to carry out that way of life. Pass. Thank you. And Kate finishes off. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Great. Thank you. All right. This month, we will be discussing in detail step eight for August. We will be reading eight versions of this step. The OA traditional, free thinker, Buddhist, Cleveland atheist, humanist, practical, proactive, and SOS Secular Organization for Sobriety versions. These can be found in the literature and websites listed in the chat and on the handout itself. Please take a turn reading a version of the step and say pass when you are finished. I will call on hands in the order raised as we have before. And we'll start off with Teresa F. OA Principle Step 8, Self-Discipline, Pass. Thank you. Elaine, would you read the OA um, the traditional? Uh, traditional OA and free thinker made a list of all persons we had harmed 
and became willing to make amends to them all. Pass. Thank you, Michelle. Buddhist made a list of all persons we had harmed. Thank you, Moni. Cleveland list all people who we have harmed, including ourselves, and be willing to make amends to them all. Be willing to forgive those who have harmed us. Humanists, we have made a list of the persons we have harmed and to whom we hope to make amends. Determine the best way to make amends to those we had harmed. Proactive, I explore alternative behaviors and rehearse them in safe settings. SOS, I will consider those that I have harmed and those that have harmed me. I will become willing to explore my feelings regarding those harms. All right. We are now open for discussion about these steps. What does step eight mean to you? And what are your impressions of these different versions we've just read? Please raise your hand when you're ready for our turn to talk. And please allow everyone a chance to talk before speaking again, if you have more to say later. We'll start again, just as a reminder, with those participants who don't mind being recorded. Who would like to kick us off? Monty. I I like the OA principle here, self-discipline. But... um. I find my overeating, the person that suffered the most was myself. This is, a, I think, a vice that um, is self-destructive. In terms of the bigger world, I find most of the harm came from my isolating, isolation of myself and the shame that involved. I know it hurt family members when one, I didn't show up to events, or two, I hid when it came time to have pictures taken. Mm. And so with all the family photos, there's always a hole. Monty's never there. And it doesn't bother me in the least, but I know it bothers my, you know, 90-year-old mother when she's looking through the photos. And it bothered my sister when she threw a, a party that was a family reunion and I wasn't there. So um, I can't go back and make up those wrongs, but I have determined that, yes, I will show up. I will put a smile on my face and I will stand for the family photos um, for their sake because it's it's not mine and I get no pleasure from it. But hopefully if I keep on with the program, I won't be quite so um, self-conscious in the photos. The, the other person that I have to make amends to is my husband because we used to do a lot more physical things. And I've cut back and as a result, we're, um, you know, he goes and he chases balls all weekend, you know, with golf or pickleball or something and um, and my response to any of his questions do you want to do such and such and such and such it's like no 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 I'm still doing the isolation but I am resolved I have made um, a reservation for a house in Tahoe in March so fingers crossed there's going to be snow it's going to be big so my um, daughter can come with her boyfriend and their dog and um, my goal is to get back into shape so I can enjoy the slopes too. But, you know, even if I'm not in shape, I can still enjoy knitting by a fire Well, the rest of the family enjoys it. So I'm working on the isolation part of it. So that's it. Pass. Thank you, Moni. Maria? <clears throat> uh, good morning. I'm Maria. I'm a compulsive overeater. Oh, it's not morning. Good afternoon. 
Um, so the Cleveland, um, let's tell people we have harmed, including ourselves, and be willing to make amends to them all. You know, if, if you do um, meditation, compassion-focused meditation, um, you always start with yourself and having compassion for yourself, right, before you move towards having compassion for those who you love and people, and then maybe those people who you don't love, and then the, the, the greater the greater world. And that's really important to me, because if I can't do it for myself, I can't do it for anyone else, right? It's like, if I can't learn to look at me and what I've done, I mean, yes, the, the part about my behavior towards other people, but my behavior towards myself is sort of like a very primary part of this. And by looking at that and learning to have compassion for myself, and, and in some ways it's sort of a circular thing, right? Because the, there's also this piece around when you have compassion for other people, you can learn to have compassion for yourself by kind of like the, um, we're more critical of ourselves than we are of other people sometimes. I find that whole idea of looking at myself and looking how I harm myself as being an important part of my being open to looking at the ways in which I have harmed others and um, and my ability to, to think about my role in that and what I need to do with that. Thank you, Maria. Jenny. Hi, I'm Jenny, sugar addict and compulsive eater. Good morning, everybody. Um, I really like, you know, all different parts of these um, step versions. I mean, they're for me, they're all different parts of doing step eight. It's not like one of them really sums it up. I do like the practical, determine the best way to make amends to those we had harmed. And also the proactive, I explore alternative behaviors and rehearse them in safe settings. Uh, I do agree with Monty when she said that this was, you know, for her essentially self-destructive. And I feel like that it rings true for me as well. But part of my goal of doing the steps was not just to deal with my, you know, food issues, but just to become a better person. And I feel like, you know, so some of these steps are things that may not directly affect my eating, but I think that they're going to affect who I am in the world. And I like the idea of exploring alternative behaviors because um, a lot of times I, when I've, done step eight and nines, it's not like there's a specific thing I have to apologize for, but it's usually something that I need to change in the way I behave. And one of the things right now that's more in my face is that I have my adult son and his wife living with me. And it's just been, you know, a little battle inside to not fall back into like the bossy mom thing and to just let these young adults be adults. Um, and it's a constant living amends that I'm, you know, making to them. And it's been great practice, like almost every day. So anyway, I like the idea of exploring alternative behaviors. Um, pass. Thank you, Jenny. Judy H. Hello, uh, Judy, a habitual and compulsive overeater and sugar addict. Like Jenny, I really found that a lot of what was said here made sense to me. Uh, I joke every single month about the fact that uh, if I can say it in, uh, I'm not going to say it in 10 words, if I can say it in 30, it kind of thing, that I, I like the more words. So very often I end up going for the SOS because it's longer. But in this case, I ended up sitting here and writing out a version that just pulled literally parts of sentences from several of these, which was made a list of the persons I have harmed and how I harmed them then determine the best way to make amends and also um, practiced alternative behaviors to prevent causing the same or similar harm in the future. 
um, which is very long, but it kind of, like I said, draws it all in because I'm literally just realizing, you know, that may be something that's missing in, in the steps that how do I fix it so I don't do it again aspect. So I'm excited about that. So what I was saying is that with this step eight, I'd use all versions of them in some way. So I really appreciate that. And I really think that's all I had to say. So thank, thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Judy. Donna. Hi, thank you, Donna, compulsive eater and recovering perfectionist. Um, I actually really like um, both the proactive and the SOS versions. I almost want to combine them <laughs> a little bit and because I really like the idea that we're not just um, thinking about who we have harmed and how to prevent that moving forward, but also looking at who has harmed us and how to forgive them because that's kind of where resentment comes in. And so dealing with that as well as our own harms to others hits sort of both the, the resentments and you know, needing to make amends. And I like that it talks about exploring the feelings around those things and exploring alternative behaviors. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you. Elaine? I think that I'm not sure it's as serious as harm. An example is talking to my girlfriend this morning. I talked to her every Sunday morning at eight o'clock and I was so rushed to make sure that I was available for this meeting and in doing so, I rush her along and she doesn't deserve that. Um, but what was I find annoying, I get controlling the details. There are so many details and there's so many things I want to ask her about it. This, that. So I think my, my biggest harm, harm's a heavy word, um, I guess it's obnoxious behavior, is that I... I want to be in control. I'm impatient. I want people to move along quicker. And uh, I'm trying to change that behavior in myself. Nobody put me in control. Uh, and it's hard to do. Uh, and I had only become aware of it in this 90 days. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Elaine. Beth? Hi, I'm Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I express it that way. Um, because I look at having an addictive personality and having that addictive personality, I've made it all about me. And so step eight is kind of a hard one because then I don't want to try to make other people responsible for what I've done. I know that I live my life in that if I didn't say it and I didn't do it, I don't have to explain it. But yet, I became aware that what I want to do is make everything that I do. Well, not everything I have in the past wanted to make everything contingent. Oh, I'm doing this because my mother did that. So the two steps I like, I like the part of the Cleveland because after it says I'm willing to make amends to them all. I'm also like the part where it says, I want to forgive those who have harmed us. Because there have been people, even though they were doing the best they could at the time, and even though I'm sure um, I was part of what was going on, who did harm me. And I need to forgive them and let all that go in order to move forward. And I do like the SOS because it's the other half 
of uh, my thoughts. And it's, I've got to be willing to explore my feelings regarding those harms. Because if I'm, I don't explore my feelings and I don't forgive people, then I'm running on things that have happened in the past that I may or may not remember exactly correctly. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Beth. Valerie. Thank you, Valerie, compulsive eater. Um, I found that my first step to, to forgiving was to take away expectations. You know, it's like you expect to have these perfect parents and all my life I've been blaming them for, you know, my life disappointments. And once I took the expectation away, I was able to I'm continually able to, because it's cyclical, I'll forgive a little bit and then I'll make amends for my part in it. And then I'll find like, I need to forgive a little bit more and make amends for my part. And gradually it's going down to where the resentment is kind of uh, diminishing. And so I've, I've got a few, a few more areas to work on and stuff, but I think, I think the taking away the expectations of the perfect life and the perfect situation really helps in forgiving. You know, people don't know what they're doing when it comes to raising children and they don't know what they're doing when they're dealing with you. They just react off of their own lives and, you know, that's all I've been doing. So it's like, yeah, we just need to forgive each other and, and forgive ourselves and go on from here with the best possible selves we can be. So that's what that step has been for me. Is, and I keep working on it, of course. But um, thank you. I pass. We will now take turns reading different authors' insights on step eight and then share our thoughts about those insights. Again, please raise your hand when you're ready for a turn to read through these insights and say pass when you're done. So it sounds like, it looks like Karen would like to start us off reading the insights. Alan Berger. The lessons taught in the steps have to do with the fundamentals of healthy communication, delivering our message to the proper person, and being as specific as possible. Pass. Thank you, Karen. Tracy? With Martha Cleveland, with step eight, we need to acknowledge that we've hurt others and are honestly willing to do something about it. We don't have to like making amends. We don't have to feel good about making them. We don't have to feel ready to do it. We just have to do it. Thank you, Elaine. Stephanie Covington, where is their ongoing bitterness, animosity, fear, or hostility in our relationships? Whom do we resent or avoid? But as we continue to work this step, we realize that harm has other meanings as well. We may, we might want to consider relationships that feel unresolved whether we believe we've harmed someone or not. It is, it, uh, is there unfinished business to attend to? Ooh, I like that. Pat. Thank you. Teresa? Gabor Mate. We are prepared to accept responsibility for each and every sin of commission or omission we have perpetrated on the people in our lives. Pass. Michelle. Therese Jacobs Stewart, <clears throat> finding pearls in the dustbin. Step eight invites us to strip off the armor of our denial, to let go of rationalizing, justifying, or blaming others for our actions. Path. And Linda. Serge Pringle. In step eight, you are brainstorming some ways in which you can respond to people differently. 
You are exploring and practicing possible changes in the privacy of your mind. You're finding a way to be respectful of your needs as well as the needs of the other person. The goal here is to confront your dysfunctional beliefs. In the proactive 12 steps, step eight is more comprehensive. You don't just prepare to apologize. You figure out a way to avoid hurting people in the future. Thank you. All right. We are now open for discussion about these varied interpretations. Teresa, do you want to kick us off? Is your hand still up from reading? Thank you. Um, I do find this to be very helpful to, um, this is kind of, I loved what someone had said earlier about how the steps eight and nine are a way to prevent relapse. And I think that, yes, I relapsed right during steps eight and nine. So that was very meaningful to me and to see like the effort and the work behind the uh, the step itself. I think that I didn't have, uh, I think I was afraid and I didn't know how to go forward. And I really appreciate these insights because they, they flesh it out in a way that's not just sort of that dogmatic, you just do this and everything's going to be okay kind of thing. So yeah, thank you. Pass. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. I really um, liked the last one by Serge Prengel, um, particularly the part where they say, you're finding a way to be respectful of your needs as well as the needs of the other person. Uh, Again, not just doing what you, I'm going to use the word should in quotation marks because I try to avoid that word, but um, doing what feels right with, with regard to other folks, but at the same time, respecting yourself and, um, and honoring yourself and your own needs. I also like when it says it's more comprehensive. You don't just prepare to apologize. You figure out a way to avoid hurting people in the future, which I guess, you know, he, they're writing about the proactive 12 steps and, and that indeed is, is proactive. So that, that last one really spoke to me. Thank you. I'll pass. Who else? Monty, go for it. I am like Martha Cleveland. She's kind of the tough love gal. You don't have to like making amends to feel good about to feel good about making them. You don't have to feel ready to do it. You just have to do it. And that's where the principle of self-discipline comes in. It's like, I know what I've got to do. I know it's not really I would prefer to, you know self-soothe in my refrigerator or freezer or something, but that, that's not what it's about. Uh, so it's like, okay, I just got to straighten up and do it. So, okay. <laughs> so that's it, Bass. Thank you, Moni. Janet? Uh, thank you. Um, I, I especially like the Serge Pringle here and the idea of that's been highlighted by some other people about figuring out how to avoid people in the future. I'm 68 and I'm continually working on not making the same kind of mistakes I've made in the past um, in terms of, of hurting other people's feelings or speaking out harshly or um, judging, especially judging is a very big sin of commission, if you will that term came up earlier. I've apologized to each of our children who are adults now, 32 and almost 28, for some misunderstandings or some things that I did in parenting them when they were younger that I now 
wish I had done differently. And they both so, so sweetly and graciously have, have said, oh, mom, you know, you were learning is basically what they said to me, which is just so lovely. And there are one or two other people a long, long ago that I, I would like to go back and make amends to, but I'm afraid and I don't, I don't think it's possible to do that. So I'm kind of looking in here for excuses not to do that. Martha Cleveland would send me out and say, just go do it. But I still have to mull through all that. But most definitely I can use positive energy and a lot of positive self-education to not repeat the same mistakes. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. Karen? Hi, I'm Karen, a compulsive reader. And you know, Alan Berger jumped out at me right, right from the get-go. Um, when he talked about the has to do with the fundamentals of healthy communication, delivering our message to the proper person and being as specific as possible. You know, in the past, I've tried to make amends to people, but looking back on it, I realized that my communication wasn't healthy. I think a lot of it was pretty much very uh, passive aggressive. And it's like, you know, I'm apologizing to you, but, you know, pretty much it was your fault that I did it. But, you know, I'm going to apologize to you for reacting the way I did. And, I mean, that's not healthy communication. And um, I don't know. I just know that I have to learn some healthy communication because a lot of times my communication skills are not all that great. And I realize sometimes that when I'm talking, it becomes very garbled. And the message that I'm trying to say doesn't really come across. So I really need to be careful when I'm doing that, especially, you know, the idea of making amends to myself and others. And for me, um, this also, and it's not quite Alan Berger or anything, but I was thinking in terms of being on the other end of these amends, because I've hit my mother in particular, who was an alcoholic. And I still remember when she made amends to me and I didn't really accept it. I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to this, this very day, I, I regret that because after I got into program myself, you know, I, I realized what it was about. And I, I really feel bad that I didn't go back to her and say, I understand what you were doing now and, and make amends to her for the way I reacted to her amends which is getting more and more complicated. But anyway, um, that one, the, the idea of healthy communication just really jumped out at me. Pass. Thank you, Karen. Elaine? Hi, thank you again. Um, I, would, I would kill to have my mother make amends to me. Um, but it certainly makes me think about making amends to my kids. I was young and dumb, pretty impatient. And, um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. That's one thing I'm going to do. I have a, another amend to make. Somebody just said, um, but I can't do it. I find the amend that I would make to my now ex-husband is reaching, I think, reaching back to a toxic person. Because once I open the door, that door, he, uh, I'll get sucker punched in the end because I know the man I was with him for nearly 50 years. So it's interesting to um, to make amends 
not when it suits us, but I don't know how to think about it. So I'll just put that part out. Any feedback would be fine. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Elaine. Anyone? Oh, Jenny. Um, this is a little cross-talky, but that's okay. I mean, part of this is step eight is just getting ready to make amends. It's not really making the amends part. And when we go on to step nine, you know, we will see and learn that there are times when making amends in person is not appropriate, you know, so maybe we don't have to go back and talk, you know, open doors again to toxic relationships. Um, and I've definitely made amends to people, tried to make amends to people who just didn't want to talk anymore, you know, or didn't want to reach back to me. And for me, just like letting go of like, I'm trying to do this and you're not like letting me, it's just been like, you know, that's part of the process for me. But I mean, but that is kind of like a step nine discussion. Um, I just do really like that step eight is just kind of looking at all the, you know, hurts to us and hurts we've done to others and just kind of making a list of them just to see what they are and think about, you know, do we need to make amends or not? Because it might be, you know, just because somebody is on our list or some institutions on our list doesn't mean that we need to go, you know, go do that. Um, anyway, pass. Thank you, Jenny. Anyone else? Uh, Michelle. Hi, Michelle, compulsive overeater. I really like the, uh, I have to look it up again, Stephanie Covington about, um, you know, really not, well, no, no, we, yeah, anything that feels unresolved, uh, whether we, we believe we harmed anyone or not, or is there unfinished business to attend to? And I think that's a lot of what I'm sort of working now. And um, uh, so, for example, I reached out a few days ago to my brother. I hadn't talked to him in years. And uh, we recently saw each other because we lost our mother. And um, and I also hadn't talked with my mother in a long time before she, before she died. Um, and so I reached out to my brother and just left him a voicemail saying, I realize you're going through a really hard time right now. And I'm thinking of you and I'm wondering how you're doing. And he didn't call and he didn't call and didn't call. And I so I had let go of any expectation, you know, well, that's, you know, I, I, I put, put it out there and he can do with it what he wants. And then just out of the blue last night, he called and then he talked for like an hour and a half. And, um, and I felt like, you know, there weren't any like direct amends to make, but I realized that there's just a lot of unsettled stuff that was heavier than I knew until it was lifted in that conversation. So that really stood out to me uh, in what Stephanie Covington wrote about the power of just those unresolved feelings or that unfinished business. In my recent experience, it seems like that can be at least as powerful as, you know, reconciling any, you know, direct harms. So that's it for me. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Tracy? Hi, friends. Um, I like the Teresa Jacobs Stewart uh, finding pearls in the dustbin. Step eight invites us to strip off the armor of denial and let go of rationalizing, justifying, and blaming others for our actions. I've, I came to this realization um, that many of my shortcomings, many of my personality traits that no longer work for me, uh, anger, anxiety, uh, over-exaggerated emotional responses. I am aware that that those parts of my personality 
were not necessarily a making of my own design. Um, having experienced an abusive childhood and sexual trauma, ha you know, it, it does cause us to change. It causes us to develop things called trauma responses. Now, having said that, um, what came to my mind was that I need to now become a product of my own design. Um, it's up to me where I go from here. Um, and so in, in apologizing to people and, or, you know, um, letting go of rationalizing and justifying and blaming others for my actions, uh, this isn't, this is a little bit of another step, but, you know, developing those personality traits in myself that are, that are useful and kind and, and good for other people and myself um, is, is now what I'm doing. I have to become a product of my own design, even though there has been stuff about me that wasn't my design. So I just kind of thought about that. Thanks. Thank you, Tracy. Deborah. Hi, I'm Deborah Meshigar addict. I've been sober for a very long time. I've done, I've done the steps again and again and again, both traditional and secular, both AA and OA. And I tend to think along the lines of my sugar addiction didn't kick in to speak of until after my divorce. So I think in review, I've always had it. It's always been like a secondary addiction to me. And now it's a primary addiction. I've always thought upon approaching the steps that I have no amends to make except to myself because I've done it all, I've done it all a dozen times. But as I'm coming to these meetings and listening, uh, what comes to mind is that phrase, uh, once the physical addiction is now um, resolved, it becomes a thinking addiction. My thinking is still off. So what I guess I'm going to put myself out there and for the next few meetings, what I would like to do is I need to do the steps again. I don't necessarily need a sponsor. What I need is one or two people that I can get together with at a Zoom meeting, decide on what steps we're going to follow and have like weekly discussions about a step, kind of like what we're doing today, but I need to do it on a regular basis so I get that better understanding of myself that I've been hearing other people talk about specifically here today. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm paying more attention today. I don't know if it's just the right time, but I'm hearing things differently that I need to do, but I know that I can't do them alone. I have no self-discipline. I have no, um, uh, I have never found the willingness to stop eating the sugar yet. I keep coming to meetings because I'm hopeful that one of these days that desire is going to stop, that impulse is going to stop. And I keep coming back to, well, yeah, but whatever higher entity or power out there that is my guiding force comes from within. It's not out there anywhere. It's, it's from within. It's my own inner instincts, intuitions, etc. I'm having trouble accessing that. <laughs> So I'm looking for a couple of people that, uh, and I don't know how to set up a Zoom meeting either. Don't have a clue about it. I'm looking for a couple of people that would be willing to meet with me like once a week or so uh, to talk about a step. I don't have, well, I have the, these 12 steps that we're using right now, the alternatives. And I have um, a couple of other 12 step books, but I kind of like using these because it gives a different perspective from every approach. So anyway, 
if that interests any of you, please let me know. I'm in Southern Arizona, so right now I'm Pacific time. If that helps, great. <laughs> Maybe you can put your contact info into the chat and we'll sure. move on from there. Sure. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for participating in this group. Together, we get better. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit secularovereaters.org and consider making a donation.